Greetings and salutations. You're listening to This Ends at Prom, a podcast where I, teen movie apologist BJ Colangelo, show my wife, Harmony Colangelo, a seminal teen girl movie that I missed out on because I grew up as a teen boy. Is today's movie truly emblematic of womanhood? Or of rose-colored nostalgia glasses warped your perspective? Circle yes, no, or maybe to find out if we're crowning a queen? Or if we're killing the teen dream. Welcome to This Ends at Prom. This Ends at Prom is a Pod People production. I don't wanna be your merch girl. I wanna be your goddamn idol. And I don't wanna have to work twice as hard for the same motherfucking title. But I. Hello there, prom party. That didn't sound very extreme, BJ. Okay, I'll try that again. <clears throat> hey there, prom party! We've suddenly turned into drive-time DJs! <laughs> Welcome to the 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 at prom! <laughs> oh, man. Yeah? Yeah, that's all I got. Okay, Just, oh man. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. Oh man indeed with a movie like Today. You know what? That's true. That is very, very true. And look, I know what you're thinking. You probably saw that this is the movie we are covering and were like, really? Of all the DCOMs? Like, you did High School Musical, but you're not doing Xenon? And the answer is, no, we're saving that for a special occasion. So instead, we're doing Motocrossed. Nobody's favorite DCOM? Um, a lot of people's favorite DCOM. Is it? For a lot. Well, for the very specific reasons that we will absolutely yeah, get into. I, I, I have a feeling I might know what we're talking about. We, we, we <laughs> tapped some some people for this. Yeah, we, we definitely did because this is a movie we needed some outside opinions on. So mm-hmm. they will be addressed. But Harmony, I am curious. Did you know anything about the? Did you even know this movie existed before I, I brought it up to you? I don't think so um maybe in passing but i as is the case with most of like the decoms out there i really only know the names of a lot of them or have seen some choice ones from like the early two or three years of the decom Mm -hmm. so like 98 99 maybe 2000 and then i tap out okay totally understood did you at least know kind of the culture surrounding this movie? Did you know that existed? Because uh, you've talked about it. Okay, so it's purely just things that you've absorbed from my osmosis. Yeah, and because you'll reference like, oh, it's Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. <laughs> well, yeah, because it is. Yes, but like that's come <laughs> up when we talk about many things because it's trans themes. <laughs> there are trans themes and baby dyke themes. There's a lot of stuff to play with in, in this movie and... I like to think we had a little bit of fun with it. Yeah, more more than I thought, honestly. <laughs> well, that's very, very exciting. Um, so for those that do not know, Motocrossed is a Disney Channel original movie from 2001. And we couldn't get a synopsis from Fandango because this has never played in a theater um, because it's a decom. So we went to our friends over at IMDb who have the following to say. 
A young girl secretly poses as her twin brother to win the big motocross race for him after he breaks his leg. Mm-hmm. I have a problem with the phrasing of win the big motocross race for him. I mean, yeah, that, that was, that's what the premise is. I guess maybe more directly it's trying to win it for the family. That is exactly why I have the issue because she's not doing this for her brother. She's doing this for their family because as she says at one point, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about sync tickets while my entire family's crumbling apart beneath me. <laughs> hey, if there's one thing I have learned from tangential experience with the Fast and Furious movies, racing is all about family. You're damn right it's about family. Sure. I'll watch those <laughs> movies at some point. <laughs> so this movie is from 2001, which we just covered a movie from 2001 because it was the anniversary of The Princess Diaries. Mm-hmm. So rather than going through like what was going on teen movie-wise in 2001, we you know just did that. Uh, Harmony prepared a little something special to talk about the cultural goings-on of 2001. Yeah, uh, since we just did Princess Diaries, and honestly, most of the teen girl movies from this year aren't really reflective of what this movie's bringing to the table. Like, it doesn't have a ton in common with, like, Ghost World. Yeah, not really. Or, or Legally Blonde. Definitely not. So I, I, I could go through those, but we just did Princess Diaries, so, like, go you can just tap that one for that one if you're interested. <laughs> But this is a uh, very unique period because we are, like, in the heart of the extreme sports craze. Oh, yes, we are. Yeah, it gathered momentum through the, like, mid-90s because of the popularity of, like, the X Games. And especially, like, Tony Hawk. Mm-hmm, because Tony Hawk Pro Skater came out in 1999, I believe. So then you had Tony Hawk 2, the best one, in my opinion. It is the best one. Of the Tony like, Hawk Pro Skater 2 is the best of all of those games. Of like the three or four I've played, it's my favorite. People <laughs> who've played more would say otherwise. But I think this was a really interesting period because even if you did not really take part in extreme sports, and any of them, there's so many of them, mm-hmm. it, both between regular X games and like the snowy winter games. The Snowy X Games. Yes, I believe they're just called the Winter X Games. They are just called the Winter X Games, but I like calling them Snowy The Snowy Games. The Snowy Games. Let's condescend to these extreme athletes. I feel like someone like Sean White would be like, yeah, Snowy Games. Like, I think he'd be down. (laughs) You know, he probably is. (laughs) But for a lot of people, such as myself, uh, I did not do a lot of things. I tried skateboarding. It just didn't work for me. I'm not very well balanced. I'm very uncoordinated. So... Most of my enjoyment of extreme sports was in media or in video games. So let's just kind of take a look at some of the things that, if you weren't a very coordinated kid like me, there is a massive, massive cornucopia of things to pull from as far as couch-based extreme. (laughs) So we have SS Tricky, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3, Sega Extreme Sports, Rocket Power, Team Rocket Rescue. Oh, I didn't even think about Rocket Power. This makes per- Yes, uh, totally. Rocket Power was still on the air for at least a few more years past this, too. So, uh, also, Matt Hoffman's Pro BMX. Mm-hmm. Amped, Freestyle Snowboarding, Dark Summit, also snowboarding, 
Sean Palmer's pro snowboarder, also snowboarding. <laughs> There's so many snowboarding games. <laughs> this this was a very, very big year for the Winter X Games. It, it was very popular this year in particular. Uh, Razor, freestyle scooter, and Disney's extremely goofy skateboarding. <laughs> Just a few cherry-picked from this year. This was also a time where we got an Ultimate X, the movie documentary about the X Games. This was the annual entry of at least one or two extreme sports movies that the Disney Channel was putting out. Obviously, we had like Brink and Mm -hmm. Johnny Tsunami and other ones that had previously came out. But what I think is the most interesting about these is that this is definitely a sport or series of sports that is meant to appeal to teens. Mm Mm-hmm. And at this time, other sports movies were transitioning away from teens. Yeah, you're very, that's very true. There was no shortage of sports movies in the 90s for like kids and teens. There mm-hmm. were so many. So many. Oh, yeah. And by this point, it's like, oh, no, now all of the traditional sports are going to be adult-based dramas. Oh, yeah. Let's watch Remember the Titans. It's about teens, but I don't know if any teens enjoy that movie. It's it's definitely some do for sure. I feel like that ends up being like an inspirational movie, especially for people who play football. Um, But, you know, I've been subjected to it many times and found it miserable. Yeah, but it is definitely a movie that's kind of geared towards adults. This is also like we're going to start getting into the baseball drama. We got Mm -hmm. a lot of baseball dramas that come out of this time period. Yep. We also had um, Ali, the biopic starring Will Smith. Mm -hmm. Miracle on Ice was coming up not too long after this. There was so many things. Do you know what I think also contributes? And this is just a theory, and feel free to tell me that this theory is bullshit. Okay. Do you know what else is really popular around this time? Uh, no. I'll give you a hint. It's one of your favorite things in the entire world. And Crazy the- Taxi. <laughs> no, no, but that's also around this time. Uh, Jackass. Yeah, that's and like true. while Jackass is you know a s- goofy stunt based show, they're friends with all these like extreme athletes, and they mm-hmm. get pro skaters and pro BMXers, and they get all these athletes to be on their show. So then they're devel- like they're they found a way to get an in into a fan base that might not actually give a shit about extreme sports, but they like that guy. Like yeah. they really like you know seeing Tony Hawk. They really like Travis Pastrana. They like seeing those people. So then they're going to go watch them in the X Games or they're going to buy their video games just because they have that name recognition. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a little bit of crossover there as well. well. Definitely. I think that something that people don't realize about the Jackass franchise is that they were styled by brands. Mm -hmm. And the X Games also had a very uh, tailor-made aesthetic to it because it was trying to market to what I believe is the most valuable demographic in terms of advertisers, which is like the young teen to like 35-year-old male. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the the brands were all about that. And honestly, we see some level of that even permeating into the overarching plot of Motocross Mm -hmm. and how like it it plays into the gender politics of how this movie functions. Yeah, it really does. And you're totally right as far as like that demographic because the thing that we don't think about in terms of like marketing or branding is that marketing things to women is kind of a given. Everything is kind of marketed towards women because 
our entire culture is just like, hey, do you hate yourself? Here's how to fix that. Mm-hmm. And they, like, you don't even have to think about oh, it. Oh, yeah. You have to make women feel bad to get them to buy products versus guys. It's like, hey, isn't this cool? Y- yeah. Like, that sounds really shitty. And obviously. This man butter for well, your body. Yes. And that's exactly it. Like, obviously, this is a sweeping generalization. And this is probably not going to actually influence anybody who listens to our show because you all are not idiots. But when we're talking about, like, the absolute, like, middle of nowhere, basic ass human that is the marketing tactic that works, which is why we do get those, like, fragile masculinity products of, like, this is man soap, because they're not going to buy it otherwise, because then they're gay. Yeah, we get a lot of fragile masculinity in this movie. But, I mean, even in terms of just trying to make a product, you can do something like, I don't know, a Marvel movie and go, well, we're really marketing this towards boys, but girls will watch it, Mm -hmm. as opposed to making something with girls in mind that boys will not watch. Correct. So I don't know how many young men were watching Moto Crossed. I'm not sure. I know that there, I definitely did have some friends that were boys that watched this when we were kids, but they watched it because they wanted to see cool bike tricks. Like that's. They don't care about the plot. They don't give a shit about the plot. Give me the money shot. Yeah, They wanted to watch people do dirt bike tricks because that was cool to them and maybe they didn't have, you know, whatever channel had X Games, or maybe they their parents were like, no, it's too dangerous, you can't watch that. But this mm-hmm. is the Disney channel. Disney's not dangerous. It's not dangerous. So at the very least, parents are like, yeah, this is fine. They're not going to show somebody, like, falling and breaking their neck or anything like that. No, this isn't like my family where, yeah, you watch NASCAR for the racing, but you're also secretly hoping for a crash, <laughs> except for when it's Dale Earnhardt, because then it got too real. Yeah, because then it gets really sad. Yeah. He was my dad's favorite racer, and apparently everyone hated him until he died, and then he was a legend. Yeah. And then they started hating Jeff Gordon. (laughs) Yeah, we were actually having a conversation earlier about how, like, if you grow up in the Midwest or probably in some areas of the South, like, even if you don't watch NASCAR, you know shit about NASCAR because you kind of have to. Oh, yeah. I don't think NASCAR is a coastal thing. I think it's exclusively the rest of America kind of thing. Right. We were like, what are we going to do if we go out into a bar and it's like... who knows who Jeff Gordon is unless you grew up in, like, Indiana? Yeah, if you like, you were born and raised in the Bay Area, do you know who Jeff Gordon is? If I say my favorite NASCAR racer was Bobby Labonte, do you have any idea what I'm talking about? <laughs> For the record, I picked him because I think his car had the best colors. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a weird thing culturally, for sure. But let, let's let's kind of dive in a little bit to, to motocross here. So, you know, like we said, it's Twelfth Night, so it's girl pretending to be a boy in order to accomplish goal. Like, Mm -hmm. we get it. This has been done. It's very classic. It's classic. It's been done numerous times. We've talked about this a little bit before on our Just One of the Guys episode. We'll talk about it again with other movies down the line. Yeah, when we eventually do stuff like She's the Man, you know, that these are all things that will definitely happen. But this is all of that filtered through a Disney lens, so it is a little bit different. Um, but there are aspects of this movie that I think are kind of incredible that I'm very excited to talk about. But when we do that, we got we to gotta start out with our leading lady. Let's talk about Andrea Carson. Mm-hmm. Let it be known, she is a twin. Her brother is Andrew, so they can both be Andy. It may get confusing because this is a podcast and there are no visuals, but I am going to try my best. You can't visualize the fact that the closed captioning would say Andy with an I? Correct. I know. (laughs) We'll do our best. I'm going to try. For the most part, they tend to refer to Andy as, like, Andrea is Andy, and Mm -hmm. then Andy with a Y is Andrew. It's a lot. Why do parents do this? I know you think it's cute, but like if you have twins, oh, please let them have their own identities. Don't name your kids dumb things like Brock and Brick. 
which is those are real twins that I know, Brock and Vic. I can't say their last name because it is far too identifiable. But <laughs> I don't anyway. know. They think they're being cute. I don't know. Um, so Andrea, she's fine. Mm-hmm. She, I think she's more interesting than like the stereotypical like girl in a sports movie kind of thing. Yeah, but. I don't know. I think she's just kind of okay. She likes boys. She likes in sync. She's she, a cheerleader. She, she's a cheerleader, but that doesn't come up very often. She wants to be as good at motocross racing as other people, but she wasn't until she had to actually like until she was given the opportunity to rise to that occasion. Yeah. So something that I really like about Andrea is that when we're introduced to her, we do see her get you know very excited and in very stereotypically girly ways Mm -hmm. she's going to the mall she gets in sync tickets and screams bloody murder because she's so excited she's a cheerleader these are all things about her that are supposed to make us be like she's a girly girl Mm -hmm. she's she is high femme she's a buffy summers type yes but then she's you know racing her brother on a motocross race and that's you know what gets him hurt and she is good Mm -hmm. but then what we we get introduced to after you know the brother is hurt is why is she not great? Her fucking dad. Oh, dad is awful. I hate him so much. And mind you, he kept getting more and more opportunities to redeem himself. And I was like, no, no, you're bad dad. Like, I love that the trans read of this movie, which is so in your face, because there's so many things about this movie that are just extremely gay. Um, I got to say that I really love this whole thing of like, don't tell your father he wouldn't understand. That's like the core of the entire movie is we need to lie to your dad because your dad's a sexist pig. Yeah. Dad only comes around to being like, oh, hey, my daughter has value and I can defend her. Borderline her getting punched in the face by a Frenchman. Yep. Like one step away from that is when he yep. finally intervenes. Yeah. it's it's The dad in this seems like he is such a 2D character or like an, like a caricature. But the problem is I know so many dads like this. Yeah. That he is real and he is relatable. And that makes it so much more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, he he doesn't want her to ride because she's a girl. And there's this scene in the kitchen after, you know, the brother gets hurt where he's like, you need to start focusing on what 15-year-old girls should be focusing on. And it's not be- like motocross or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which is just like... What does that even mean? What are 15-year-old girls supposed to be focusing on? Dad, were you a 15-year-old girl? You don't know what they should be focusing on. You know shit. He has an idea of what a 15-year-old girl should be focusing on, which is everything else that she's interested (laughs) in, including like almost breaking her brother's arm twice by just running in front of him being like, look, Andrew, I won. (laughs) Yeah, the we'll, we'll definitely get into the dad down the line as well because he just he disappears for a lot a big chunk of this movie which i'm grateful for because Mm -hmm. he's insufferable and every time he's on screen i just get fucking mad at him i agree but who we get in exchange is the mom geneva who i quite like mom's pretty cool mom's pretty cool because she definitely at first has the hesitancy of like you shouldn't be racing because there is that internalized misogyny that she's got to fight through, and she's married to a misogynist. Mm-hmm. So there's clearly some influence that's going on there. Mm-hmm. But she spends the movie pretty much working through that and being like, no, I want to help my kid like follow her dreams. And also, like this helps the family business. So mm-hmm. everything about this is, is a net positive. 
But she's like, yeah, we do have to hide this from your dad because he will not understand. He's going to flip his lid or something. Yeah, he's, he's going to lose it. Yeah. Um, so I like that we have this parent who is like going above and beyond to help their kid follow their dreams. I think that that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't want to overly generalize, but in my experience with anybody I've ever known, Moms are much more cool with, with, with gender and sexuality things than dads are. <laughs> and dare I say, it might have to do with some some fairly toxic masculinity in the system. Yeah, who would have thought? Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? But no, mom, mom's fine. Uh, she's responsible for, for Andy, like post-haircut, post-swap Andy with an I being perceived as a chick magnet. Well, yes. So here's the other thing, too, that I really like about this is whenever there is a motivation for the the gender switchery mm-hmm. in any of these movies, it's usually for kind of nefarious means, right? Like the the switching in just one of the guys is she's trying to prove a point mm-hmm. and she's trying to prove that sexism exists. So that's not necessarily nefarious, but like there is definitely an there's agenda a, there's there. There's a motive. Yeah. yeah, there's a motive there. Or even with sorority boys, it's like, well, we got kicked out, so we need to pretend to be women to get into the Greek life system through the sorority so that we can clear our name. Like there's motive there. Yeah, there, it, it's self-centered for those mm-hmm. versus this, which is like, I don't know, more like Mulan. Doing it for the so, fam. Yes, it's doing it for the family. But, and this is a big old but, and this but. is why I think this movie is so interesting, is Andrea does show up to race as Andrea mm-hmm. with long hair. And there's like the dramatic reveal, of course, of taking the helmet off and there's the big hair. Mm-hmm. And she goes to, uh, to race against these guys and they literally run her off the they track. They beat her down. They be, they physically harm her. Uh-huh. And her brother is the one who talks to her about it. And she's like, that was such bullshit. Why did they do that? I'm just as good as them. And he kind of has to give it to her straight and is like, look, these dudes will do literally anything to not lose to a girl. Mm-hmm. They will hurt you mm-hmm. to not lose to a girl. Like this movie is so good at acknowledging that masculinity is so toxic sometimes that yeah these men would rather put somebody in harm's way than to just take the fucking l and admit that she's faster than they are no fuck chivalry i'd rather hurt a woman than lose yeah like that's what that's what they're doing here so she very well could have gone through the entire movie racing as andrea carson and that could have been the way they go but she cuts her hair and pretends to be her brother so that she can have a fair shot. Which, once she cuts her hair, I gotta say, first of all, it looks better than the long hair on her. Agreed completely. And if we need any further evidence of it, the actress who plays Andrea is also the romantic lead in Popstar with Aaron Carter. And she has long hair in that. And every time I look at her, I'm like, nope, I want you to cut your hair off. <laughs> but also, uh, she, she gives me like Emilio Estevez, like boyish vibes. Yeah. Which I think is especially funny because... I, I mean, I don't know if this is, I quote this all the time whenever I bring up like an overly, an overly aggressive sports dad, which is, Andrew, you gotta win! You gotta win! And their names are actually Andrew. Right. <laughs> it's actually Andy. <laughs> so it's like, oh, wow, an overly aggressive, like, brand-based sports dad in motocross is, <laughs> he's that kind of dad. Yeah. So, you know, that's the reason and the motivation for her to cut her hair is just to get a fair shake and also to keep herself safe, 
mm-hmm. which I think is really, really interesting. And that's such a complicated thing. And for a Disney Channel movie to be like, hey, here it is, I think is impressive. I always prayed for a girl. You did? Yep. I always thought that because... Of the racing and everything? Well, yeah. Well, it was pretty much the opposite. When I was racing and I got hurt, I saw a lot of my friends get hurt. I swore I'd never let my kids go through that. And I thought if we had a girl, that'd never be a problem. And then we came along. Yeah, you did. Funny thing is, when you have kids, no matter what you'd hope for, you're just so happy they're there and that they're healthy, you forget everything else. I guess I always held on to the hope that you'd be the one that'd be spared any of the pain or disappointment that comes with this. Dad, but that's part of it. I mean, if it wasn't for the bad stuff, it wouldn't make winning so great. We also get another moment of that early when mom is at first, like, not super down with this whole scheme. And little brother Jason, Mm -hmm. with his amazing just hair that's gelled only in the front has this like very kind of ham-fisted monologue where it's like well we're studying feminism in school and my teacher talked about how there are no jobs that women can't do and how great it is of how far we've come and i think that's great and i guess i just don't understand why andy can't race and the mom is like huh you're, you're right kid you're right and it is such a great moment of like yeah, the the younger generations have to continually like drag the older generations kicking and screaming into progress. The thing is, I think that based on age, that would have been me around that time. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I think he's probably like eight, nine years old. I would have been roughly. No, that I age. think he's like twelve. Is he okay? That, yeah, that's even like closer. Whatever. I that that that's how old I would have been. I was ten years old when this came out. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh crap, we're that generation. Yeah. Yeah, so he's like 12 and he's the one who kind of plants the idea in mom's head that it's totally okay for Andrea to race. And also, like, if you don't let Andrea race, then, like, you're kind of being sexist, uh-huh. which and then, I love. And dad has, like, this come-to-Jesus moment with his 12-year-old son later mm-hmm. where he's eating ice cream right out of the carton. And dad, that ice cream is for everyone. How dare you? Yeah, that was not a pint. That was a quart, sir. Yes, it's very rude and inconsiderate for the rest of the family. But he's the <laughs> he's the breadwinner, I guess. He can eat the ice cream however he wants. Fuck that dad. I mean, technically the kids are the breadwinners. They're the ones who win the races, but that's an entirely different argument. You know, that's a good point. (laughs) It's like coaching a football team. Like the coach gets paid. College athletes don't. Anyway, he has this like moment where he's talking to his son about like morals. And you think like, oh, this is going to be the turning point. Like this kid swayed mom. He's going to sway dad. And dad just goes, no, and continues to be a fucking prick. Yeah. Dad completely no sells him. It's shitty. I feel so bad for Jason in this because there's also a moment where, uh, so after dad finds out about the scheme and, you know, whatever, he's brought this like shitty French guy. Rene. Rene. To be on their team and Renee sucks. We'll get to him later. But Jason, I guess is like the mechanic and he's trying to like fix this bike. And Renee's like, "Mm, I will drizzle it. Be you Andrew. And Andrew's like, "Mm, Jason's better than me. 
And he's like, mm, no. <laughs> and just like, he Whoa. can't reach the petters. Yeah, he's just being so snooty and shitty. And Jason's just standing there like, man, fuck this guy. <laughs> I have to go back and sleep in my room because I'm going to need my rest for later today. I have to only sleep in a bed where I will not be awakened by the sun. Andy, I'm taking a room. Yeah, he's the fucking worst guy. So he just he makes sucks. himself comfortable. And then that's the whole thing where dad's just like, well, I mean, he doesn't know anyone in this country and he's our guest. And also, he's our new racer so just let him do whatever he wants it's so annoying oh i hate him the dad's the worst um so you know we get to the this takes this movie takes place over the course of like a month um Mm -hmm. because it's just like weekends of racing Mm -hmm. so while andrea as andy is at her first race she meets a young strapping lad named dean dean very classic american name his name is i think like dean thorne or something Dean, Dean Talon. Talon. That's it. Not a thorn. It's like a like a claw, like a yes. talon. Dean it's Talon. Aggressive. Um, and obviously, Andrea is smitten immediately. He's a hunky boy. Because he's a hunky boy. But she has to kind of keep up this charade of like, I'm a boy. So they become buds. And Andy helps Dean get a girl who also sucks really hard. Well, the reason they become buds is because Dean has ulterior motives. Yeah. Because Andy and Andrew's mom is very popular with all of the like pretty young things who hang out on the racetrack because she does their nails. Mm-hmm. And Andy also like keeps her nails painted regardless of how she's presenting. Yeah, she makes a joke that it, like, helps her, like, remind her to, like, do something on the bike. I don't fully... Like better grip control or something. Yeah, something. I don't, I, I don't know. And there is, like, a nice moment at the end of the movie, like, even after it's been uncovered that, like, Andy's a girl. And she notices that other racers have their nails painted. Like, other boy racers have their mm-hmm. nails painted. Because, like, she became a champ and they were, like, trying to emulate her, which I think is really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Nothing else. Good superstition, I suppose. Right, right. Yeah. But anyway, Dean is like, oh, wow, Andy's, like, real good with women. Like, you got to hook me up with with the boss's daughter for my sponsor that I race for. And, I mean, she does. She She hooks him right up with this horrible, petty, gold digging woman who has no interest in him and has... Awful, awful fried hair. Yeah, her name is Farron. I don't like her. And she's the worst. She ends up ending up with, she ends up with the French guy at the end to give you like a standard of quality. Yeah, like the two villains kind of end up together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, you know, Dean has a big thing for her and it's not working out because she doesn't think that like he's cool or rich enough or whatever. Mm-hmm. So Andy, who has these, you know, mysterious sync tickets that she can't go to now because she's got a race. She's racing, yeah. Um, she has the tickets overnighted to her and then she gifts them to Dean to try to like woo Farron. Mm-hmm. And it is like such a, a nice gesture, especially because we know like, oh, but Andy likes him so much. And there are these cute moments where there is the acknowledgement of what's going on where she's like back in the hotel room with her mom and her mom's like, is this really what you want? And she's like, I just want him to be happy. Like fully good intended. Like, I know I can't be with him because of the everything that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. So I want him to be happy. And like, I love that about her. I think that's great. I mean, she does try to warn him. Like, I don't think she's for you. Here's everything wrong with her. And he's like, but I could be that guy. I could be rich. And she's like, you don't want to be that guy. <laughs> yeah. So like 
dude, foolish teen boy gonna just have his crush that he has mm-hmm. and there's no talking him out of it. Yeah, she does her best to like be that good friend that gives the hard truth, but when it becomes apparent, like it, that's not gonna matter. She's like, okay, cool, I'm gonna help. Like, and I'm holding this bro code of not mm-hmm. crushing your bro's feelings. Right, <laughs> right, right. Which I just like. And I also let, let's talk about Dean. How do you, other than like his issues of being like a, a dummy teen boy and having a crush on this girl who sucks um how do you feel about him i think dean is a pretty cool dude so dean races in like the um the next level up of racers like cc's or whatever it is Mm -hmm. like he's like 250 he's 250 yeah. yeah and andy is in like 125 yeah so they're not really in competition with each other. So Dean is like, hey, I'll teach you how to ride in exchange for you helping me with women. And th- he really points out the biggest flaw in Andy's racing game, which is like, hey, you're technically you're good, but you don't know how to deal with any adversity or getting like knocked off your game plan. Like you don't know how to recover or mm-hmm. adapt. And so they go off-roading and they have really sweet bonding moments. And then a very gay scene where they go swimming in a lake and like touch all over each other. It's so gay. It's it is so like, gay. <laughs> it reminds me, I may have talked about this in the podcast before. I don't remember or not. But there is a play that I love called Take Me Out about a professional baseball team. And there are multiple scenes in the play where all of the baseball team is in the locker room and they're showering and they're naked. And like the actors go full frontal because the whole point of it is to show like that camaraderie that teams have even in their most like vulnerable moments where Mm -hmm. like they're in the shower they just played a game they're hitting each other with towels they're running around they're like smacking each other they're having a good time well you don't just go diddle your bros dingleberries (laughs) well then so then what happens in this play is the like the 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 mvp of the team comes out as gay and then when you see like the locker room scenes everybody's like really closed off everyone's like censoring themselves i've seen i now pronounce you chuck and larry yeah yes so you understand um and, like, that kind of playfulness that, like, you know, this is kind of gay, but, like, it's not gay because it's not sexual playfulness. Mm-hmm. That is what that scene is where they're, like, in the lake or whatever it is. The thing is, I really like the idea of that, but you cannot have even an iota of gayness. Otherwise, it ruins the whole experience because dudes are just not secure enough in their sexuality to exist in, a like, a moderately gay space, even in the smallest percent. Right. And that's why that lake scene is so kind and why it does read as so gay, obviously, because like Andy does like him. So like we know that going Uh into the whole situation. But like he's so comfortable around her, you know, when thinking that it's a boy. Like he's so comfortable and he's like, yeah, we're going to go in here. We're going to have splish splash around. It's going to be fun. Splish splash. I was taking a bath. Come on, take your shirt off, buddy. Oh, yeah. Like it's it's so just lighthearted and innocent and just this is just it, it's guys being dudes mm-hmm. <laughs> but actually just guys being dudes yeah they're just, just horsing around yeah and i like that about dean because that is the sign that we get that he is comfortable because there isn't a moment of a lot of times in these in these types of movies you'll have somebody who's kind of interested in the other person and like it becomes this big confusing thing of like uh oh, what does it say about me i'm attracted to this person but i think they're a guy Blah. Mm-hmm. like that doesn't exist here like at no point does dean ever have a thing for andy the boy yeah he does however start to develop a thing for andy the girl when dad comes home and is like, we're not doing this shit anymore and is really mm-hmm. shitty about it. And then 
she goes to the race as herself. Just slap a little makeup on her, mm-hmm. still keep that short haircut, and Dean's like, man, she's real cute. Oh, yeah. He's it like... It only takes a little bit of blush and lipstick, and he mesmerized is mes- by her. <laughs> so smitten. Yeah. Like, he's even holding hands with Farron and, like, just staring her down, and it's like, whoa. Like It's fine. They end up leaving. <laughs> it's fine. He ends up leaving her, like, 10 seconds later. I don't know if he leaves her as much as she leaves him for the French Whatever. Guy. <laughs> they break up, which is fine, because they weren't good for each other. Right. But it is, like, it's very... It's very interesting. Like, that doesn't happen. And maybe it's because it's Disney, so they can't even, like, at the time in 2001, they couldn't even attempt to go that route. Um, But it's very kind of cool to see that there is that distinct break of, no, he likes Andy, cute girl with butch haircut. Yes, but... There certainly is some awareness Dean has because the scene that I recorded and sent to some of our friends uh, who we also tapped for for some trans mask things that we'll kind of go into when we need to bring that up later is, uh, hey, I recorded this scene because the line is, I'm going to work you out so hard you're not going to be able to get out of bed tomorrow. And then they like hug and like they get become in view of some other people and some guys like i don't know Th- that that behavior is a little like uh like wiggly hand motion yeah okay that's a good point and dean's like dude no don't don't hug me people are looking well the other thing too though is like dean's whole approach of like don't hug me people are looking isn't even like hey don't hug me like i like uh don't touch me man like it's not like that it, it goes back to that toxic masculinity. But he's, that he's, he's aware of what it looks like. Yes, he's aware of what it looks like. And he's also aware that like, you know, because the same thing happens at one point. Uh, Andy gets really upset and is like going to cry. And it's like, you can't do that. Do not let them see you cry or they will rip you apart. Mm-hmm. So they are playing in this world that is so toxic. And that is like so perpetuative of just awful emotional regulation or a lack of emotional regulation i guess is the the best way to put it Mm -hmm. that his adverse reaction to that affection is not like whoa this is gay gay panic it's like they will treat us terribly if they see us this way and they will fuck with us on the racetrack Mm -hmm. and that will like put our lives in danger so like okay yeah you're right disney in a weird way is addressing gay bashing without addressing gay bashing yeah that's this movie's so deep. How dare you, Decoms? There's, there, okay, but here, here's another question that I want to bring up that I mentioned when we were sort of watching this, which is when you get these like sort of trans mask or like more butch cross-dressing type movies, you there's there's a very distinct difference between the like, you know, the cross-dressing of like a woman pretending to be a man versus a man pretending to be a woman, and there's so much um, there's so much more kindness. In films like Motocrossed or, mm-hmm. or Just One of the Guys, mm-hmm. like, there, there's something really nice to that versus on the other side, you get, like, I don't know, Joanna Man or Sorority Boys or The Hot Chick. Mm-hmm. And, like, these are these are distinctly not trans films that can, of course, have trans reads because, obviously, they're screwing with gender. But, man, there's so much more um, butt of the joke, like, lowbrow comedy on, like the opposite side to this movie. Mm-hmm. There's there's way fewer examples of movies like Motocrossed out there, but I feel like consistently they're like so much better, <laughs> like no, way better. And you're, and you're totally right because when we do have cross-dressing films, when it is women dressing like men, 
there is this immediate subversion of this is empowerment. This is a woman like, you know, forcing her way in a man's world. Like that is. It's it's powerful as opposed to like being seen as like submissive. Because, you know, that's what it always comes down to is it's like, oh, we see men as more powerful than women. So if a man is dressed like a woman, it's either got to be a joke or it's it's degradation or whatever the circumstance might be. Or it's violent. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Not usually because these are comedies. Right. It's like, oh, God, look, some guy's attracted to this ugly woman who's actually a guy in a dress. Ah! Yeah, that's that's very much where it comes from. And it, it all just boils down to it's just misogyny i know it's just some obviously this is something i'm aware of but it's so interesting to see all of the stuff that i tend to write about from my perspective mm -hmm. and then see things like this and be reminded oh that's right yeah i'm a joke yeah i mean (laughs) crap and i'm not saying like yeah you are a joke like it's obviously not in that regard no i'm boo boo the fool i know (laughs) but i think that that's it's very true there are far less examples of transmasculine representation even in you know the the sense of cross-dressing movies mm-hmm. than there are trans feminine and it's because trans femininity is coded as humorous or dangerous yeah and, and also to an extent i feel like since most movies are written by men it's a lot easier and more comfortable for them to write from a character who has the same perspective of them be like what would it be like if i was in these high heel shoes right yeah that's that's also a point too um and i mean when it comes to something like motocross too like we're also looking at the source material of being 12th night and it it was supposed to be from an empowerment place like that's Mm -hmm. where it comes from um but since we're kind of getting into like the gender fuckery of it all, uh, the source that I want to reference this week is a book that I ordered, and I'm very excited for it to get here, called The 2000s Made Me Gay, Essays on Pop Culture by Grace Perry. Sounds like the Bible for this show. For real. Um, I did share it on Twitter, so if you're interested in it and want to buy it, there's a link for you there. But uh, I was very excited because Grace wrote about motocross and not a lot of people did. So obviously, like, I had to get it. Mm -hmm. So here's what Grace has to say. It might have been my literal desire to become my brother that spurred my infatuation with the Disney Channel original movie Motocrossed. Okay, so meet the Carson family. They're your average American motocross-obsessed family. You know the type. The dad was an off-road motorcycle racing champion back in his heyday, and he's grooming his teenage son, Andy, to replace him as the fastest biker boy. Andy's twin sister, Andy, note to parents seeking to avoid their twin-swapping identities, give your children different names, is a cheerleader but desperately wants to be a motocrosser like the guys. But dad says, no, motocross is not for girls, that's for boys. I want you to start concentrating on things and a 15-year-old girl should be concentrating on, says dad, and that does not include motocross. But when Andy the boy gets injured and dad goes off to recruit another racer for their team, Andy the girl chops her hair off and races in the boy Andy's place. At first, their mother is horrified by Andy's dyke chop. Just look at your beautiful hair. In the exact same tone my mother had upon viewing my foregone side shave. But soon, Andy's mom is on board and takes her daughter to a motocross competition disguised as her son. There, hilarity ensues, including Andy developing a crush on a boy who thinks she's a boy. Apparently, motocross is loosely based on Twelfth Night, and these adaptations sometimes work, like Ten Things I Hate About You, Clueless, and She's the Man, are modern classics based on classic classics. Other times, you just get motocrossed. (laughs) 
In the end, Andy gets outed as a girl, but she wins over her crush nonetheless and wins a big motocross sponsorship. Girl power. As someone who has spent her, the first 10 years of her life trying to emulate her near twin brother in every way, motocross got me. I'm sure I don't need to spell this out for you as I just wrote motocross and dyke shop in the same paragraph, but the queer imagery in motocross is quite frankly unrelenting. Andy, who looks like an in-sync member that everyone forgot about, wait, no, that's Chris Kirkpatrick, spends 70% of the movie vrooming away on her hog, fretting her real gender will be exposed when she's not in head-to-toe motocross gear. She wears baggy striped t-shirts with a flannel shirt layered on, spiky blonde hair, and khaki cargo shorts, and a faux deep voice. In one scene, Andy and her crush Dean Talon, my new dragging name, <laughs> go on a motocross ride through the back roads before stumbling upon a lake and taking a dip. Dunking and splashing is involved, as Dean thinks Andy's a boy, and he does not know it's a date. But this is most certainly a date between two butch lesbians. <laughs> Watching our heroine cross-dress is supposed to be a point of comedy, as it is in Twelfth Night, but sorry to essentialize, any teen girl who yearns to mount a dirt bike is at least 30% queer. I was both enthralled with and terrified by Andy's boyishness, as I saw my own boyishness reflected in her. Upon rewatch, Andy's appearance isn't all that funny. Rather, it's just a decently accurate depiction of a baby butch. Yeah, that's that's pretty tight. Yeah, fucking nailed it. <laughs> yeah, we, it was really funny because we reached out to two friends of ours from back in Cleveland, uh, Carrie and Jasper. Hi, friends. Uh, I love you. If and you're I miss listening, you. we love and miss you. Yes. And we were like, "Hey, did either of you watch Motos Cross growing up?" And they both went, "Yeah, we fucking love Motocross." And Carrie's like. Yeah, I used to go. Mo- I used to go dirt bike racing. <laughs> yes, and for the record, uh, Jasper's a trans man. Carrie is non-binary, um, and this is a movie that resonated pretty deeply with both of them. Mm-hmm. And if you, similarly to uh, both, just one of the guys and stick it, if you type motocross in like the Tumblr search bar. You get so many young queer people talking about how this was an awakening, uh-huh. either because they realized, like, whoa, I'm really attracted to this, like, butchy-haired girl. What does that say about me? And uh-huh. it's, like, they're a lesbian awakening. Or there's a lot of, like, gender nonconforming and trans men that are like, yeah, I saw that and went, holy shit, that's an option. Uh-huh. And it, it's so interesting when we think about, like, our roots, right? I know we talk about that a lot with, uh, you know, but I'm a cheerleader. But motocross, we talk about it with we, everything. We talk about it in like every episode at this point. <laughs> um, but no, motocross is the root for a lot of people because you don't know something's possible until you see it, you know. And I, I really respect that this movie exists for that. Was this the point that Disney was making? Absolutely not. No. Do you think Disney would have ever even tickled with this? No, God, no. But this is that instance of intent versus impact. They were intending clearly to make like a anything boys can do, girls can do to empowerment movie. Uh-huh. That's, that's the goal. But what they also in, like inadvertently did was create this vehicle for gender expression for trans men. And, and f- you know, the idea of being attracted to somebody who is kind of fucking with gender. Mm-hmm. Like those are things that Disney Channel allowed. And because it's the Disney Channel, it's something that was watched when people were really young. Because mm-hmm. normally these sorts of themes, they're not explored until you're, you know, in your teens or even like college age. 
This is a movie that like I saw when I was 11. This <laughs> like, movie is like a queer Trojan horse that snuck into like <laughs> the good conservative and like evangelical households. It really is though. I guarantee that there was definitely some child of an uptight Christian mother who watched motocrossed and then immediately took a bath that night and slid under the faucet very confused. Like that's <laughs> what this movie I think did for people. <laughs> because when you're that young, you don't like you don't no, what queer representation did we have in the early 2000s? Fucking none. <laughs> and if it was there, it was bad and, and How dangerous. How dare you talk shit about Spinelli from Recess? Okay, you know. The good Disney point. kids had a couple <laughs> options. <laughs> but you, we had to know it was there. This is at least a little bit more silver platter. You know. You rec- game recognizes game. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's, uh, you're making very good points here. Hey, so I wanted to ask you about your sister. What about her? Is she, uh, is she, like, dating anybody? You know, because if she isn't, I was just wondering... Dude, if you have know. a girlfriend, okay, remember? Man, we realize we don't have anything in common. Besides, I think she has something for French guys anyway. So what about it, huh? I'll talk to her. She's pretty picky, though. Dude, come on, we're bros. Hook me up. Tell you what. I'll think about it. And, uh, maybe we can work out some kind of deal. Okay, so I want to bring it back to two points that I know we said we'd return to. And the first one being that dad still sucks. <laughs> Even after everything, dad still sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I am so uncomfortable by this dad and how willing he is to like crush his child's dreams. Yeah. Because it doesn't fit with, you know, gender roles. He's trying to protect her. She could be breaking her arm, like my son, who I'm willing to let break his arm. And that's a point that mom even makes and is like, why are you so comfortable letting your son like go out there and risk his life and get hurt, but you're not willing to do the same for your daughter? Mm-hmm. Which is like, in a weird way, kind of that like that argument of like, well, if I can punch guys, I should like equal rights means I should be able to punch women too. Like, I don't know why we Why do sexists always immediately jump to, I want to punch women because of equality. <laughs> right. Why is that their first stop on that train? Right. So, like, it kind of has the same energy of, like, well, you're okay if your son breaks his neck. Why aren't you okay if your daughter breaks her neck? Like, that's... The sentiment is there when mom says it, but, like, it does have that same energy. <sighs> She's trying to get him with this, like, gotcha journalism of hypocrisy by pointing it out to him. Right. And... That I don't know if that shit really works on people who are stubborn. Like, we've learned that a lot in our modern day and age that going, mm-hmm. Haha, look, you said this, but now you're saying this, and it's the opposite. I'm like, dude, I promise you, they don't care. Yeah. You're not going to shame them into changing. So, even after this conversation is had, they go to the, you know, the, the final tournament with Renee, and Renee is going to ride. And, uh, spoiler alert, Renee's a piece of shit. He got kicked out of many many tournaments or something he got kicked off of a lot of body slammer yeah he got kicked out of a lot of racing clubs throughout europe because he either cheats or he plays dirty and like harms people and runs them off the road Mm -hmm. like he he sucks and there's even a really like infuriatingly frustrating moment where everyone in the family fucking hates this guy except dad who's like I need a racer, and he's a guy, so I he's got it. Very him. talented. I we've all got our problems, and I know he's got a checkered that's, past. That's the thing that gets me is like Andrea presents to Dad like a magazine article that is documenting like, hey, this guy's a fucking problem. Dad 
will just tolerate whatever violence Renee does because he can benefit from him. Oh, yeah. It's very much that thing of like, yeah, I know that he did this in the past, but like, he's fine. He never did that to me. Yes. It's it's that same energy. Like, I've never seen it. It it reminds me, because he even acknowledged like, yeah, he's got problems. He's got a checkered past, but like, you know, it, things are okay now. And it makes me think of when we watched uh, Dark Side of the Ring recently, and they did the episode on the plane ride from hell, and they're talking about Ric Flair and mm-hmm. Scott Hall being fucking pieces of shit. Mm-hmm. And like... Half of them are just like, oh, how it was back then. It's 2002. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. But like that, just that like, I got to protect my bro, man. Like, uh, you don't get him like we do. Just comes do. with the territory. See, here's the thing is I kind of grew up sort of around this because we were in like a NASCAR household growing up because my dad really liked it. And my neighbor would go drag racing every weekend. My neighbor on the other side of that neighbor also would go drag racing that every weekend. And now my mom is dating that neighbor and has been for like (laughs) 15 years. But like going to like Norwalk in Ohio and like going drag racing all the time was a big deal. Like like there was so much memorabilia of various brands just stickered all over our house and our garage and stuff growing up. Mm -hmm. I understand what this is like. And I don't like it. But motocross is like almost the horse girls of, 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 of the extreme sports world because it's so much more expensive than like rollerblades or skateboards or even a Razor scooter or a BMX bike. Like you need brands in order to do this because this is a machine and it's expensive and it's difficult and it's basically equestrian. It really is. Like, that's a really good way of putting it. Because Poor kids can't do this. Yeah, no. You get a mini bike from 1975, like my family, that falls apart constantly. <laughs> no, the, you're right. There is a level of, like, class distinction that also, you know, needs to be addressed. Like, these are these are rich people problems. Yeah, this is what they're competing for, is even though they have money, and some of them have more money than others, we even see that from, like, Dean's racing camp versus, like, the family's racing camp. They're mm-hmm. all competing for a sponsorship. Yeah. That's it. That That's the prize is a sponsorship. They're trying to get that money. Like that ultimately that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. The one thing though that I will give this movie a ding on that I'm like, mm, is it though? Is when Andy wins the race at the end because of course she wins the race at the end. The vice president of the company that's going to ha- allow the sponsorship shows up. And gives a lecture about like, of course we're gonna sign her. She's amazing. She's Laverne from Scrubs. Yeah, it's Laverne from Scrubs. I love it when she pops up in things. But also, I'm like, the VP of this racing company is a woman. I don't believe that for a second because this world <laughs> has painted a very masculine picture. And like, I know that that's supposed to be like an inspiring, like, aha, the VP is a woman. How great. But I also am just like, I don't believe this. Like, that, that doesn't exist in 2001 yet. How many throats did you have to cut to climb that ladder? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Thrilled she's here. Love yeah. that reveal. It's great because it very much feels like the reveal in The Little Rascals when AJ Ferguson, the fastest racer alive, ends up being Reba McIntyre. I do love that. I will say that she did not need to fake out everyone <laughs> she does it's really not necessary <laughs> yeah she really does like they're like is she gonna be allowed to have a sponsorship and like she's so serious in her tone she's like, she's like after all of this do you think she's gonna have a sponsorship 
Of course. Yeah. It's like that is that the drama. Okay, fine. I appreciate it, but totally unnecessary. Over the top. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, obviously that's like great and like a happy ending. But like you said, let's go back. When dad finally has his redeeming moment, it is because Renee threatens to physically harm his daughter. Oh, yeah. He shoves her and is like, he, he's a, he really is a Renee is a piece her. of shit. He's the worst. And we did find out, too, that um, the actor who plays Renee, because it was one of those things where, like, Disney people pop up and do things all the time, and then they, like, disappear, and you never hear from them again. So we're like, I'm curious, what did this guy do going further? Uh, his name is Michael Cuneo, and he is now a professional singer who just goes by his last name. And he looks weirdly like Bald Billy Zane. He looks like Bald Billy Zane, which I guess is just Billy Zane. Yes, yeah, um, <laughs> But he he does stuff with like postmodern jukebox. He's really talented. Has an incredible singing voice. He's extremely talented. Yeah. So I was just like, wow. Like this makes me believe that like that maybe you're just a really good actor too because I fucking hate you in this movie. He got the right kind of heat. Yeah. He got he got that per- that was a perfect perfect heat for him oh my god i was spiced every time he came on screen yeah so this movie's really good at making me hate all the villains i hate dad i hate renee i hate the other dad the rich dad art like henderson or whatever his name is hate him yeah the one who's basically like a half step away from being like i think that carson kid's a faggot (laughs) like yeah basically i hate farron i hate all of the bad guys in this movie for all the right reasons (laughs) perfect but to like emphasize even more why i fucking hate renee in this movie um you like briefly mentioned it he takes over andrea's room at one point without even asking she just opens the door and he's there in her bed he just fucking invades her space because her room is the only one that like doesn't get sunlight in the morning and dad didn't even think to run it by her yep never thought it. it was just like nope it's his now and like there's no warning there's no anything so you get this amazing shot though because her room is super femme it is like lavender and butterflies <laughs> and then there's just this angry french guy sitting in there just like get the fuck out of here this is mine now it's kind of amazing uh-huh. um but yeah this like this movie does such a great job of just being like women suck we prioritize anything and bend over backwards for men and it is just it's mind blowing how deep we were able to pull things out of a fucking Disney Channel movie. And this is why I get so like staunchly defensive of these movies, because while I know for sure I did not have the language that I have now as an 11 year old when watching this movie, all of the things that I'm able to now verbalize on this episode, like those messages did something to me. You know what a feeling feels like. You know what that feeling feels like. And not even just like, oh, queer awakening or anything like that, because I'm femme for femme. Andy doesn't do much for me. But I can like I can take those things away, though. Like I can take away that like, this is not cool to treat women this way. Mm -hmm. I can take away the, oh, wow, toxic masculinity is a real thing. And we all live in that world, not just women. Men live in that world, too. And it affects them, too. Mm -hmm. Like these are all things that I was able to pay take away as well as like hey kind of gender fuckery is a normal thing and like anyone can do it that's all stuff that i still believe today Mm -hmm. and i like that i think this movie probably planted some seeds i'm glad that they have grown how they have for you oh thanks you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) so i do want to go back to the book the 2000s made me gay essays on pop culture by grace perry um because the author, I don't want to assume pronoun, and if I did that earlier, I am 
apologizing for that. Um, but Grace goes on to talk about High School Musical, which is something that we've covered. Yeah, forever ago. Uh, forever like ago. Like a year ago. <laughs> but I, I'm really kind of excited to talk about this. So the discussion is all about the Evans twins and how like Ryan and Sharpay are like big gay villains. And Grace brings it back to motocross by saying the following. The Evans twins are villains, both clearly sculpted by a gay man. Sharpay Evans blowout cartoonish femininity makes one forget momentarily that they're watching a Disney movie and not RuPaul's Drag Race. But Ryan Evans is the one we really need to talk about. Ryan, I don't know how to put it any other way, is, well, very clearly a homosexual. Like, Andy Carson is simply a baby butch. Ryan Evans is just, like, a gay boy. I say this with the utmost love. Ryan is a hip-swishing, jazz-square-dancing, eye-rolling, bitchy young man. He wears a different neon-colored Kangle hat in every scene. It's a crowd favorite, the allegedly straight character tells his twin sister-slash-dance partner after their first audition. Everybody loves a good jazz-square. I'm all for straight men embracing their femininity, but Ryan Evans is clearly played in the spirit of a gay musical theater terrorist, and arguing otherwise would have felt insincere at best, to the point that had Disney made Ryan openly gay, the character might have been panned as a gay cliche. Mm -hmm. I like that this is brought up because it's completely right. Ryan in High School Musical is so clearly just like the gayest character, but Mm -hmm. because it's Disney Channel, like he ends up with... Kelsey, the piano player at the end, it, at the end of the third movie, which is just... Spoilers. <laughs> sorry. I have, that's the one I haven't seen. I'm so sorry. I just spoiled High School Musical 3 for you. God. Surprise, Ryan Straight. God. Um, <laughs> but, like, it is so, like, painful where it's like, no, you're not. No, no, you're not. And the same thing goes for Andy in this. We're like, Andy is clearly a baby butch. And the thing is... Part of me understands why Andy is so interested in Dean, though, even though, like, I do think that she's a lesbian. Because Dean's really pretty. Yeah. And also, Andy kind of tops a lot. She has such top energy in this movie. It is out of control. Like, Andy absolutely. (laughs) Andy is so assertive and, like, very, like, that whole situation with the NSYNC concert tickets. Like, here's how this goes down, right? So Farron goes into the lobby and runs into Dean and Andy. And Andy is just being like, oh, yeah, my guy here, he's got NSYNC tickets. And he's trying to convince me they have a couple of great songs. Fifth row. Can you believe it? Like Mm -hmm. ultimate wingman. And Dean's just like, yeah, do you want to come here? And she's like, well, my dad's left a message for me. He's waiting. And Andy's like, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. I got you. And she's like, okay, well, I'm going to go put on my concert clothes. And she goes upstairs. And then Dean's like, oh, my God, though, but what are we going to tell the dad? And Andy's like, dad's not coming. I left the message. Mm-hmm. Like, took control of the whole situation and is just like, shut up, you little pissant. I got this. Okay, but speaking of that confidence, can we just talk about how Andy's impression of Andrew does not sound like him? No, it is very much how Rob Schneider's impression of being a woman is not Rachel McAdams. It's just like a feigned feminine voice. Uh huh. That is what Andrea is doing to be Andrew. Like, Andrew is very much just like a basic boy. He just kind of talks like he this, just like a normal man. He talks man. like a very normal man. And then Andy's like, 
Cha, bro, like, the thing is, like, I've got to get maximum grindage, like, I'm in a Pauly Shore movie. Yeah, like, it's not how Andrew talks at all, but... I mean, it, it starts off really strong. The the radical dude-isms tend to fade off a little bit more as it goes on, but, like, they it's do. really, really emphatic but there, in the But there's beginning. definitely some, like, real macho posturing. It's, it's great. Mm-hmm. But even at the end of the movie, when, like, obviously it's revealed that Andy is a girl, Dean ends up wanting to join Carson Racing as their 250 rider... Mm-hmm. And uh, they have this like nice moment outside where like in any other movie, it would be like, oh, my gosh. So like it doesn't bother you. This is so great. Yes, let's be together. And instead, Andy comes out swinging with her big top energy mm-hmm. and is just like, yeah, I hear you on audition for the ride. Yeah, I'm not. we're not giving it to you. You have to beat me. You have to race me. And it's like, damn, girl, like. This guy yelled at you when he found out. And the thing that's also great mm-hmm. is that Dean was not upset with the big reveal about Andy being a girl because like, oh, no, that's confusing for me because I had a crush. Like, that's not what makes him upset. He's mad because he's like, you lied to me and I told you personal stuff. This is some where do you get off having tits kind of energy. Yeah. Where it's like, I'm not mad about this. I'm mad that I was lied to. Mm-hmm. Like, that I think is so great. Like, that's so, so great. Um, but yeah, Dean, like, absolutely submits to Andy the entire movie. Like, even when he's the one who's like, oh, yeah, I'll train you, let me teach you, let me whatever. Nah, he submits to Andy. Andy's in charge. In the jungle of the bros, Andy is clearly the alpha. Despite the everything about her as him, yes, she yeah. is. Hey, it's all about confidence. Mm-hmm. And she's got it. Uh huh. She's got the confidence, and to the point where you know, like you said, that's why he is drawn to her. Like, oh wow, that Andy guy's got got some real skill with the ladies. I need to pick that up. Mm-hmm. And really, it's just because there's Andrea's just women confident. There's just women around. Honestly, like Andy's not even really talking to any of these girls. No, they're more so hanging out with mom because she can do nails. Yeah, like they're <laughs> they're just around, and that was good enough. But then there's also like. There's a moment where Andy is trying to, I, I don't know if it's flirt with Farron or Fallon. I forgot her name for a half second, but she's, she's trying to wingman, but she smells her and goes, Tommy girl. She's like, what? Your perfume. Tommy girl. He's like, yeah. He's like, oh yeah. My sister wears it. You smell better in it though. And I was like, that is the gayest fucking thing I've ever uh-huh. heard in my life. It's again, it, <laughs> Everything about it is excruciatingly gay, unavoidably gay. And it's and great. And yet, we had these things where we were sitting there going, okay, but they had to have known when they wrote that, right? I, they had to have known how see, that sounded. And the thing is, part of me wants to feel like they had to have known because, like, there is the character of, like, Art Henderson, who, yeah, like, that is the person that's kind of calling out things for being gay without actually acknowledging it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there was a tweet that went viral a couple of weeks ago that I think is the funniest thing in the world from a woman who said that her job was to explain things to Disney execs that they may not know are like double entendres because there is a decom about twins playing basketball who later joined the WNBA and is called double teamed. <laughs> and she was like... <laughs> She screenshots that and posts it, and she was like, yep, my job was to explain to people why this would be a problem. Uh-huh. So there is a part of me that's like, maybe they didn't know. Maybe they genuinely didn't know how gay this movie is. You know, you got me there. <laughs> so I, I got, I have no defense to that. So. I concede. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that we watched this. It's definitely a movie from 2001. 
Mm-hmm. It's definitely a Disney Channel movie. Oh, yeah. But there is still a lot of great things that can be pulled out of it and a lot of really important discussions. And I know that this movie was impactful to a lot of people. So I'm I'm glad that we were able to watch it. And I'm glad that it wasn't <laughs> too painful for you. No, it wasn't. <laughs> so Harmony, the time has come. Uh-huh. Motocross is asking you to the prom. Is it a yes, a no, or a maybe? And are you writing anything on the card back? You know, I'm going to give this one a yes. I thought this was going to be a maybe. What a delight. Here's the thing. I don't really know if I feel compelled to rewatch this movie. Uh, if I did, it would certainly be through the lens of like a room full of drunk gays who can appreciate the unintentional gay camp of it. Mm-hmm. That would be the only circumstance I would revisit it. But there's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm like, it, it's I, I, I watched it and went, hey, that's pretty good. And then went, cool, I'm, I'm set. <laughs> I, my, 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 my cup has been filled. And I don't plan on drinking from it, but it's filled, <laughs> and there we go. Uh, so, no, this movie's tight. I, I enjoyed the conversation we got out of it. There you go. Nice and easy. Uh-huh. Uh, like a decom should be. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> not too confrontational. It's perfectly fine as, as any moderately okay decom should be. <laughs> so there you go. Fantastic. All right, friends. Well, I think that takes us out on Motocross. As always, if you like the show and want to continue to support us so that we can keep the show going, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com backslash this ends at prom, or you can give us a five-star review on iTunes. It generally does help. We ended up on the film and TV recommended podcast list. It was really exciting. I cried a little bit. It's fine. It was super cool. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at the sends at prom. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BJ Colangelo and over at slash film. I'm writing over there now, which is fun and exciting. Harmony, where can people find you? I am not writing anywhere right now because I'm tired. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Velocitraptor, Velosa underscore trap underscore tour. Fantastic. And thank you, as always, to the Sonderbombs for allowing us to use Title as our theme song. Harmony, do you have a cool indie band you want people to check out this week? I do. Also, we have not done a decom since we had Willow from the Sonderbombs on the show like a year ago. <laughs> it's been over a year. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. But the band that I'm going to go ahead and plug just dropped a new album. And BJ, I know you are a big fan of this group as well. I want to bring up the album Yes by Planet Booty. Yes, Planet Booty. BJ, would you like to explain Planet Booty for people really quick? Okay, so Planet Booty just warms my soul mm-hmm. is the only way that I can describe it. Planet Booty writes fun, danceable music. Some good funky kind of stuff. Some good funky stuff with a lot of like hip hop inspirations, definitely some pop sensibilities. Mm-hmm. And they write like really sexy songs. But they are all like consensual sexy songs mm-hmm. and they are a very inclusive band. Their music is super inclusive. They want everybody to feel awesome and sexy regardless of how they identify, which is really cool. And the first time we ever saw them, they were opening, I think, for Ninja Sex Party. Yes. And uh, the lead singer comes out with a disco ball, but it's a booty. It's mm-hmm. just the best. Absolute massive stage presence. Yeah, L- they're, love it so they're much. fantastic. A great show, a lot of fun, just a really good energy crowd too because their fan base is like really cool people like if you like planet booty you're fucking cool Mm -hmm. planet booty is just a great time and speaking of consensual sex they have a song on this album called only if you say yes they're the best because they're all about sexy songs consensually Mm -hmm. so yeah planet booty 
Planet Booty's great. Um, I mean, our favorite song will always be Take Off Your Pants, which is from like an album like eight years ago. They did a Tiny Desk concert with Take Off Your Pants, and it's incredible. But yeah, it is a sexy seduction song, but consent. And mm-hmm. it's it's incredible. It's quite lively. Um, but also, uh, Naked is a great jam. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of naked energy on this album with stuff. It's, so oh, They're great. Hopefully other people will listen to it. Hopefully they will appreciate the good gospel of Planet Booty. <laughs> and uh, just, just, I love them so much. I cannot wait for them to go on tour. I think they are soon, so that'll be tight. Yeah. All right, friends. That takes us out. Hopefully y'all go listen to some Planet Booty now. <laughs> and we will see you next time. Save that last dance for us. Bye. Goodbye. about getting my motorcycle running again. Oh, yeah, I heard, man. Gnarly crash. Yeah, not enough to keep you out of the cup series, though. Nah, dude, I'm all over it. Killer. Oh, yeah. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.